comments on it. Uh, all right. Okay, ready? Here we go. What? What? What, what? The, what the fuck you did with your hair? <laughs> Shashi. Confidence oh, so, builder, Shramali. I'm so glad I'm recording this. That's going to go. That's going to go into the next oh, that's, edition. That's going to be. That's the cold open right there. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I'm Chris Lockhart. Uh, today, we're joined by Shashi Shramali, uh, Phil Yanoff, and we have a guest, Hussein Bandakwala. And Hussein is a PMO coach for Pravaz Consulting. Um, and today, we're actually going to be talking about um, project management and what the function, really, of a PMO, uh, project management office or organization, is in today's you know agile enterprise. Um, so. Give us, give us a two-minute version of what do you do? What is a PMO coach? You know, I, I have a background in management, technology consulting, and I've worn project and program management hats and also had the opportunity to set up PMOs for companies as well. But then I realized that, you know, and in a lot of cases, PMOs aren't doing really, really well. Um, and a lot of the, and there are many reasons for that, and I'm sure we're going to get into all of that during our chat. But one of the reasons that I believe that that's the case is that PMO leaders aren't really ready for the role when they're thrust into that opportunity. And it's not a fault of their own. It's, it's, it, and again, we can talk a lot about that as well. But the bottom line is that a lot of the reasons why PMOs fail is because the people who are in charge of them um, don't really know how to get it up the first time right. And so I saw that as an opportunity and I thought, you know what, maybe I can go ahead and help uh, fellow PMO leaders to to make it uh, make it work for them, uh, so that they don't have to you know Google stuff up. They don't have to go ahead and piecemeal things together. They don't have to figure it out while uh, you know building relationships, figuring out a roadmap, trying to convince the value of something that really should be there, uh, and so on, so that they have something that's set and 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 uh, tested that they can apply immediately to their situations. And, and that, that's why I'm there. And that's why I want, I, I want to go ahead and, and call myself a coach versus a consultant, because I'm not in there to do it for them. I'm there to sort of help them figure it out. And once they're self-sufficient, then, you know, that's it for, for our engagement. So that's that's what I do. That's really interesting because you and I knew each other when we were both consultants for uh, the same firm back in the day. And I'm kind of curious how you went from consultant to coach. Like, what? how did you... How did you get where you are, right? Because some, you know, it's it's an interesting transition. Yeah, uh, and I mean, you know, a lot of people will will argue to the either way that you know certain work that I'm doing is still consultantish versus coaching, and then people start going into the definition of coaching. But for me, the the, the concept is really simple: right, teaching the man how to fish. That's really what I'm what I'm doing. There's a lot that goes in to setting up a PMO, um, you know, from discovery to execution. And I know that in the work that I do, I'm not doing all of that. I'm empowering the PMO leaders to do that. Um, and I'm sort of, you know, their sounding board, uh, their um, cheerleader, uh, their their mentor, their advisor, their outside and expert as it's going, going along. And 
you know, I do enjoy the world of of uh, of being a consultant, and um, but that transition just just sort of happened very naturally. Are, are you are you uh, you know um, giving examples? Are you doing workshops? How does how does it typically go? No, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that, and you know because because of the way the work has transitioned. To be honest, I'm I'm I'm, I'm sort of banging myself on my head in terms of why did I name my company Pervas Consulting Corporation, right? Because it's it's I'm I'm not really a consulting company. I'm really an educational providing company, uh, and so you know in, in addition to my coaching engagements where I'm working with someone side by side. Uh, and in making things happen, I also provide workshops. I do webinars. I write you know, blog posts. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, providing advice over there. Um, and then I also have courses. So I have a course on uh, LinkedIn learning. Chris, if you're done interviewing, should we start ripping project management apart? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Bill's not here. Bill's not here to interject that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Right. So. So there is, I'm like, many people under the, I mean, I would love to hear from you, Hussein. Uh, many people under the, what do you say, cover of calling themselves as project managers yeah. are essentially nothing more than project administrators. Yeah. Right. So how would you differentiate between somebody playing the role of a project administrator uh, versus a true project manager? Yeah, and let me throw in another another word, uh, another phrase that's going around out there, Shashi. It's, it's project leader, right? Because management is not enough, uh, you know, and, and so leadership is, is being thrown under the bus as well here. But uh, that's a great question. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why PM was have such a bad rep. Uh, according to the Association for Project Management, 50% of PMOs fail three years after they're being, you know, after they've been set up. So if you ask me to set up a PMO today and ask me, hey, Hussain, will this be successful? I could literally flip up a coin and say, heads is gonna succeed and uh, tails is gonna fail in three years. And you know, I know we're gonna be talking about the value of, the P of PMOs, but PMOs can be far more valuable to organizations than the probability of a coin toss. And uh, if somebody's there who's just taking orders, who's just doing, things in a very templated way, who's not putting their thinking cap on, who's who's not uh, showing a bit of a spine in, in their backbone, they're your administrators, right? They're there who are just gonna be taking orders. They're, they're not really managing. They're definitely not leading. They're just doing what they've been told. Uh, and I see a lot of people with a lot of credentials and a lot of experience falling under that project administrative um, category sadly so um you know a lot of people just want to get those um cr uh, credentials if you will uh you know a lot of alphabets after their names but you know it's it's they're not applying that in, in real life they're not applying that in in how their leadership how their stakeholders really want them to lead their project successfully so i i think majority of your um... Every time and most of the time in my career, when I run into a project manager, I discover after a few days they are being project administrators. So, you know, you end up, you know, stepping back and, you know, rethinking what value are they bringing to the table? Do you really need somebody with 15 years of experience being a product 
project administrator versus you can hire somebody right off school um and they play the role of uh, project administrator another another thing is uh, you know these consulting firms right uh, they have this uh, whole um you know you see smirk on my face they have uh, this whole uh, offering around program value realization <laughs> i think in my my experience it's nothing more than a uh, um program management um what's your yeah, thought i've also i've also heard it called delivery assurance by the way oh yeah 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 that's yeah. another one delivery assurance yes program value realization delivery assurance whatever you want to call it value realization sounds more consultative and fancy by the way delivery assurance okay assurance is like you know it's not sexy enough it's all the same thing yeah there's no difference uh, the ultimate real, the ultimate thing that we need to do as project managers or program managers or portfolio managers or, or pmo leaders is to make sure that things get done right and things get done in and not just on time on budget uh on quality in under scope whatever but rather what the reasons for the projects of the program is the portfolio were there those get realized right so the funny thing that i see in in projects everywhere in programs everywhere is that we're going to spend you know tons and tons of effort and resources and and thinking cap on to build that business case right we're figuring out like all these different ways to analyze what benefits the project can bring to the table so that it can pass through the intake process and then once that's done once the project's approved once the program's approved then you know nobody really looks at the business case nobody really looks at what's going to happen how the project is actually going to help the company why it's actually being you know set up why it's actually being executed and that is the unfortunate part so you know you can call it any any sort of fancy term program value realization benefits realization roi whatever you want to call it if nobody's keeping an eye on those things that you promise at the start of the project then it doesn't really matter how on how much on time how much on budget your project was yeah uh, shashi and chris too i think have presented some of the things that you know go wrong obviously inside of this thing but i'm kind of curious from your perspective when does someone come and say yes to you? I mean, do they have a problem they're bringing to you to begin with? And what does that normally look like? I mean, where do they where do they say it hurts when they say we need Hussein to help us? Yeah, so you know, there are a few things, few situations that I've I've seen. Um, you know, the, the the first one is rare. The second one is more common. The the rarity is that their people are proactive enough to realize that okay, you know what, things are are beyond control. and they can bring someone in so they realize it's a bit of a wild wild west situation every you know they have a few project managers on the team everybody's doing their own thing uh you know sponsors have different uh, or stakeholders have different experience with different project managers uh but the bottom line is that things uh, are you know there are a lot of things on the go but none of them are crossing the finish line and they're like all right you know what we probably need to bring some some order to chaos and let's go ahead and, and set up a pmo that's one situation the other situation is they realize that they need a pmo they bring in someone who uh you know who who is seasoned and is an expert in, in pmos and has done it multiple times for multiple different companies and then they completely i would say <laughs> project ma project managementize the entire situation where they have tons of 
templates and tons of uh, processes and tons of tools uh, and tons of tons of structure um, and without you know keeping in mind the uh, uh, the culture, the organizational appetite, uh, the maturity as they will, um, right. and things are like, oh my god, I, I wish this thing would just go away. Um, and they're like, all right, you know what? I think we probably need to do do a reover, and uh, let's find someone who can who can help us with that. You know, you talked about the tools, and we talked about all the fancy consulting terms and all of that stuff, right? For uh, for project management. You know, and and I, I get the whole thing about bringing order to chaos, right? I think that yes. you know, and and as an enterprise architect, I like to think that's what I do, and write all of these wonderful things. But at, at the end of the day, right? I mean, aren't there aren't there methodologies, you know, such as safe or just agile in general, um, or even what, standard waterfall with its gating and all of these things? Don't those methodologies sort of provide some of that rigor, some of that structure? You know, you can have. You know, safe. You can have agile. You can have waterfall. You can have hybrid. You can have whatever combination of all these methodologies to deliver the project. But you still need someone who's going to be there to help manage the expectations, to help help keep the resources in check, to provide a safe haven for all the project managers to go to when they need help. To for someone to remove roadblock roadblocks for for project managers uh, and program managers and portfolio managers. Who's gonna Who's gonna have their back, right? That's what a PMO should really be doing, and sitting at the table of you know with with your executive leadership uh, and making sure that the the, the project management uh, resources get what they need to successfully run their projects. Right. So methodologies are, are a means to an end. Somebody needs to take an uh, uh, you know keep keep an eye out at the overall picture, and and that's what the PMO can really do. So uh, that leads me to a question then, Hussein. Uh, in what I see, again, uh, uh, I'm doing events, IT events that have lots of IT people in them, and mostly everybody is kind of hard to find. But more likely than not, the guy that I see who's looking for a gig who's not fully utilized, he's a PM of some sort. Is it that he's missing some skill that they need? I mean, is that what? Are, are there just too many PMs? Are they are they misappropriated or are they just improperly skilled for these gigs? Uh, so let me answer your, your question in two parts, Phil. You know, so firstly, I, I actually work primarily with PMO leaders and not project managers as such. But what I, when I do work with project managers, I'm working with them to transition from being a project manager to becoming a PMO leader. Or how how they should go about you know finding a PMO leadership role and leaving the project management role behind. Yes, there are a ton of PMs, and I and I still see a lot of project management roles out there. Um, but I do feel that because of the abundance of of project managers, these project management opportunities that present themselves become very 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 nichely defined. And so, you know, they're looking for, I need 15 years of this and I need someone who's got banking experience, who's done, you know, cybersecurity, who's done, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, and finding some, and, and, and they'll be able to find someone who's got that extreme niche, but, you know, someone who doesn't hit that one checkbox, uh, they go about, you know, missing out. What, what is the origin of PMO? Where did this discipline start? No, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a great question, Shashi. I, I'm not, you know, entirely sure about the roots, but I know that, you know, one of my good friends, Mark Price Perry, who's one of these PMO gurus, he's also written 
a book. Uh, in fact, uh, he's written a book and, and also the pioneer of the business-driven PMOs, uh, Mark Price Perry. He, he did tell me that uh, it, it, it did become very uh, much in demand once uh, Sarbanes-Oxley kicked in. So, you know, with the Y2K situation and then the Sarbanes-Oxley situation where organizations needed to, you know, get their acts together and, and sort of have things documented uh, and ready for audit and pass those, um, you know, that's when PMOs became very, very, very popular. So sadly, they became very popular in their administrative nature. But now over, you know, few few years later, uh, you know, it, it's become statistically evident that the PMOs that become, you know, the most successful and valuable to the companies are the ones that have, you know, one of their legs in, in the strategic nature of things. You know, if they're sitting at the strategy table with the rest of the organization's leaders, um, PMOs succeed. If not, uh, they, they won't be around for, for a while. What does good project management look like? <laughs> just get things done you know uh i'm not gonna you know tell you anything about methodologies i'm not gonna harp one over the other but it, you know I, I would say good project ma management is something where stakeholders and sponsors of the projects can sleep peacefully knowing that the project is in good hands Right. And if that's the case, that, that, that means that that project manager, that program manager, portfolio manager is, is really doing a bang up job of making sure that, you know, nothing is falling through the cracks um, and that things are moving along as expected. And if they're not moving along as expected, they will be uh, advised in a very um, in, in a language that they can understand and have been told exactly what is needed for them to get the project back on track. I want to harken back to something you said a little bit earlier, which was you said uh, something to the effect of <clears throat> paraphrasing. So correct me if I get this wrong, but you said something to the effect of like, you know, it, all that really matters in the end is if you delivered a project and you saw the value come out of, of whatever that initiative was, right? So um, I guess the question really is like, so is good project management, does it have to follow a methodology? If I, if I wing it, I take no notes and I just, you know, I'm super casual, right? But I, at the end of the day, shit gets done. Is that not a, as effective as someone that has all the books and the wall charts and the everything? Yeah, so let me answer your question in, in two parts, right? So so yes, it does, as long as you're, you're making sure that everybody who needs to know things get to know things, right? Uh, you know, paper trails where sign-offs are required uh, are, are important uh, because uh, in, in in not just in the, in the world of project management, but in the world of corporate politics, things do get uh, you know you get bitten if you know there is no paper drill associated with it. So I don't think that that's a function of project management. I think that's a function of corporate politics being being in play. But I think in in, in definitely in smaller or mid size in, in small to mid mid. Uh, uh, mid-sized organizations as well as you know niche projects of small to mid-sized nature you could definitely wing it in fact you know you know putting in all of these things together will probably slow you down um so 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 that's number one number two the the concept about you know measuring the success of the project i don't think that that's a function of the project manager 
I think that's where the PMO comes into play and the PMO leader uh, is either responsible or, or accountable for that. Now, uh, most in a lot of the situations, you know, when projects get done, they get handed over to the business or they get handed over to the operations teams uh, for, you know, for business as usual. So it may not be the, 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 the function of measuring that success it may not even or, or the metrics that that lead to that success may not even reside within the project management group may reside within you know those uh, other business elements but then it's up to the pmo leader to hold those people accountable and say all right guys every three months every six months i'm going to come to you i'm going to be asking you about metrics a b and c and i want to hear how things are going on so that i can let leadership know that this project that we delivered last week, uh, it really has delivered its business value. You have seen, right. Just to, yeah. to your piece in there, because you kind of said that one of the things that you saw CIOs do perhaps was, you know, if they've got that PMO envy, right? The guy across the street's got a really nice PMO. We want to yeah. have a nice PMO. Um, does he go, uh, you suggested that he might just go grab his number one project leader and say, I'm going to make you the head of our project management office. Let's imagine that they're not going to start that way, that they're really going to kind of go out into the world or into their team, but they're going to look for certain skills. How do they recognize the person that ought to be running that PMO? There are a few things that I look at and I break out the skills of a PMO leader into four distinct categories. Uh, you know, there's the people skills, there's the organizational skills, um, oh, there's the functional skills, and then there's obviously the project skills. To me, the project skills are the last to consider. The people skills are, are, the, are the most important to consider. I, interestingly, when I've, when I've launched, uh, glanced through many project management office leadership opportunities, the, the job descriptions out there, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, PMP preferred, preferred MBA, uh, you know, a couple of other things as well in there. So it's a good thing that there are people are looking for things around uh, uh, having an organizational awareness or pur purview. But to me, the the best person who could lead the charge with, you know, for, for a PM with like that is someone who's been in the organization for a bit and has the has the uh, uh, credibility and good solid relationships with key people that the PMO is expected to work with. And most importantly, has a reputation of, of getting things done. It doesn't matter if it's, someone within the operations team. It doesn't matter if someone is within the strategy team who has little to no experience in project management. If they have that reputation, then people will work with them. People will listen to them. And that more than anything else is needed for a PMO leader to succeed. There is, there is a question around when you hire a project manager, how much of the functional skill they need to have Let's say if it's an IT project, if it's, let's say, I don't know, some, let's say, enterprise service bus project, they should know how the integration thing works. If it's SAP ERP project, you know, they should have past experience running ERP. How much of that skill do you think are valued more than other skills? Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's, that's a good, good point, Shashi. And I think there are two schools of thoughts here. You know, one school of thought is, is a, a good project manager, is a good project manager, is a good project manager. That is, you know, you... You put that project manager into whatever project, you know, whether it's construction, IT, healthcare, SAP, 
uh, supply chain, whatever have you, they'll just get it done. And then another cool school of thought just firmly, firmly, firmly believes that no, you need to have uh, that sort of you know uh, functional expertise, like you mentioned, to make sure that the projects get successful. I just think that I, I'm of the believer. I, I am personally of the believer of the former, where a good project manager is a good project manager is a good project manager because. Uh, you know, let the project manager, you know, take care of project management and then let's get, get SMEs to support this project manager. That's why you have yeah. your system architects. That's why you have your enterprise architects. That's why you have your business architects. That's why you have, you know, all of these SMEs that can help support the project manager. I just think that the project manager needs to be smart enough to know uh, when he or she is being lied to. I think enterprise architects can be a great project managers too. Yes, and actually, actually, I think it's because they both deal with people, right? So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Someone, should, someone should write a book about that. I think it's, it's, it's if I if I say I think there is a it's I call them like a brother or you know brothers from different mothers, but uh, it's the ratio of the skill. I mean, project managers probably need eighty percent of, you know, let's say seventy percent general skill and thirty percent technical skills. Whereas enterprise architect probably need 60% technical skill, 40% general skill, but largely the skill sets required for both the discipline has a quite a bit of overlap. That's what I feel. So this, this is very interesting. And I, I do want to get your reaction to what Shashi just said, Hussein. Um, but I also um, I want to also get some, some final thoughts here, right? And a takeaway, one takeaway. Um, so I don't, Phil, can you can you give us a takeaway? What what are you taking away from this conversation around project management? Well, I think there's obviously uh, some good ways and bad ways to go about setting this up. Or I don't. The thing is, I think I might even call somebody like Hussein if I wasn't sure if this is something I wanted to take on or not. Right? Uh, you know, are we? Are we in fact operationally mature enough to begin this process? I don't know. I think I would ask that question before I got too far down the road. So I think it's a useful conversation. Shashi, what, what's your takeaway? Um, be wary of project administrators. Um, there are many of them floating around. Um, and for people who are project administrators, don't be one. Uh, try to proactively manage a project, um, get shit done. Uh, that's extremely important. That adds value, not get stuck in the bureaucracy or the process side of it. Uh, yes, you need lean process to be there to support, but you have to be a hustler. You have to get shit done, get on people's calendar, whatever it takes to get it done. Uh, don't be a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I look at this and, you know, my own experience, I think of all the bad project managers, right, I've known over time. And and it gives it gives project management um, a bad rap, right? Because because it, it gives it the sense that it's an obstacle to getting shit done as opposed to an enabler, right? And I think maybe the distinction, one of the things that I'm taking away from this is the distinction between the project manager, right? And the PMO leader, the leader of the project management office, right? Or organization, right? And that that is a, a um, you know, maybe, maybe an, analogy, an analogy Right, I'll get the word right eventually. An analogy, right, to that would be the difference. And I think Shashi, you brought it up, right? Uh, 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 you know, a specific application architect and an enterprise architect, right? Someone that has sort of a, a view of this and can go really deep into this versus someone that mm -hmm. has a view that's broader. Um, so to me, that that's an interesting thing that I had never 
really considered before. Um, but Hussein, I'll, I'll give you the final thought here since you're our guest. Um, what, what, what's one thing that you want people to take away from, from this conversation about PMs? Um, so I would say that, you know, when you, when you look at PMOs and if you think that a, a PMO is needed for your organization or not, I think you need to go in with an open mind, um, not look at the bias out there, not try to go ahead and fit yourself within any of the constructs. There are many constructs out there where, you know, people say, you know, what are you this kind of a PMO? Or are you this kind of a PMO? There are many names out there as well. There's a hybrid PMO, there's a modern PMO, there's a PMO 2.0, PMO 3.0, blah, blah, blah. It all really, really doesn't matter. What matters is what kind of a PMO, uh, or rather what are the challenges that your organization needs to be uh, needs help in solving today that the PMO can help with. And that can probably change six months, 12 months, 18 months down the line. So that needs to be always a refresher that needs to happen. And then, you know, talk, people talk a lot, a lot about, you know, organizational maturity. You know, my belief is that if a PMO is either less mature or more mature than the organization needs it to be, it will fail. It has to find that ideal, ideal balance. And so it, it really is looking at, you know, uh, where the organization is in terms of, you know, people, process, tools, strategy, um, uh, as well as, you know, how far, far along, uh, uh, how much of project management is actually happening, but also understand their capacity to, to take new things, to, to be able to, you know, accept change. And that has to be, th that entire process of setting up a PMO has to be an, a complete engagement from the very word go, where, you know, you need to understand what people's needs are, you need to get their feedback, you need to, you know, bring them along in the loop. There will already be a few naysayers, but that's totally fine. But, you know, keep them, make them feel as part of the process so that when you're actually about to launch the PMO, people feel that, ah, these guys are creating this PMO just for me. Mm. And therefore the chances for buying into that PMO are far larger than, uh, than what the stats are out there. Right, and, and probably uh, chances are you'll have more success. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, no, I appreciate this. Where, uh, so where can, if anyone wants to find out more about what you do or uh, read some of your articles, where, where can they go for that? You know, uh, they can go onto my site, uh, www.parwazcc.com. That's P-A-R-W-A-Z-C-C.com. Uh, alternatively, they can also just shoot me an email you know, Hussein at parwazcc.com. And, and I can, you know, uh, be sure to point them to, you know, some of the guides that I have, uh, my blogs, um, as well as my, my LinkedIn learning course um, as well. Right, and of course they can find you on LinkedIn. Uh, you're very visible out there. So uh, we'll also put the links uh, on the uh, on the website for, for this episode. So listen, um, really appreciate it, Hussein. It's good to see you again. Uh, fun fact, uh, Hussein, uh, taught me all about uh, Pakistani rap, which um, I had never heard before. Um, but um, you drove me, we were driving somewhere in Alexandria or something like that, and you had it in your car. So I remember that very vividly. So uh, appreciate that. So thank you guys, Shashi, Phil, Hussein. I'm Chris Lockhart. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, we love having you here with Consultancy and Things, and we need your help. So subscribe and like, press the bell, let yourself know every time we got a brand new episode out, and you won't miss any of us.